Daffodils. I think we're going to start from daffodils. I love daffodils. Um, whenever you see daffodils, that's a sign that what's happening? Spring is, spring is around the corner. So as soon as you see them, you know, ah, it's, it's going to stop being as cold as it has been all along. No? Who, when they see daffodils, stops wearing a coat? No, it's a sign of something that's to come, isn't it? Yeah? And it means actually winter is going. That's for certain. And the thing that is coming is not going to be winter. So you don't have to worry so much about the winter. You can now sneak into H&M and look at the sales rack for some of the stuff that might work well in the summertime. Yeah? You don't, carry your, you don't lose your coat when you see the daffodils. Some of what we are going to be looking at today are signs of God's coming kingdom. One of our values here is that we are in a spiritual battle, but on the winning side. What that means in simple speak is the things that we encounter that we find challenging have the daffodils, the equivalent daffodils have already appeared. The kingdom that is of peace and mercy and justice and freedom is already on the way. But we still need our coats. So we're in a battle, it's still cold but we're on the winning side. Why? Because spring is definitely on its way. Definitely on its way. Once the daffodils appear, you're not holding spring back. Spring is going to be here. That's going to happen. So it's a text of hope. Second place I'm going to go, and I don't know what the politically correct way of, this, of describing this game is. I'll say it, and if one of you can correct me, you'll help me. Yeah? Whoever played Chinese Whispers? Yeah? You know, like when you say something over here, it's like there's a line of you and say, two chickens and a dove. Two chickens and a shove. Charles Dickens fell in love. <laughs> Picket fence from above? You know, it loses quality as it goes. What's happening in the book of Mark is Jesus has lived, he's died, he's risen, he's gone up to heaven. You have Peter who walked with Jesus, who remembers all these stories and tells them to his friend, Mark, who becomes a Jesus follower. Mark becomes friends with Paul, who was one of the enemies of Christianity, who met with Jesus um, on the road to Damascus. And he goes and does stuff with Paul. And if you read the book of Acts, you'll see all the different things that they did. They did crazy stuff. Paul, um, I tried to emulate Paul in many things apart from his preaching because there was one point where he preached for so long, someone fell off a roof who was listening and, and, and actually died. They prayed for him and he came back to life. But, you know, some things I don't want to attempt. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Mark is in the space where 40 years after these events, people are asking him, so what happened with this Jesus character? You know, so. The clouds parted and uh, the Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove. The clouds parted and the Holy Spirit came upon him as a pigeon. 
the clouds parted, and I think it was an eagle that flew past. By the time he comes back to Mark, what, someone farted and then there was an eagle? This makes no sense. I'm not going to have these arguments with everybody. What I'm going to do is I'm going to write it all down. So you have this thing where 40 years after the events, Mark writes this down so that the story doesn't lose its focus. And uh, 40 years after the events, you have the story. And I, I say that because it's important to get the reliability of the texts we're working with. Uh, the Gallic Wars, from where we get Julius Caesar, um, uh, happened, I think it was 100 or something years before Christ. I need to check my history. But the first writings about Julius Caesar were 930 years after the events. 930. Uh, they wrote it down, 10 copies. Mark, 40 years after Jesus, there's, <laughs> there's 5,000 in one language, 10,000 in another, 9,000 in another language. So we're not dealing with texts that are sort of, you can just easily dismiss. There is more evidence, documentary evidence, for the life and teachings of Jesus than there is for Julius Caesar. Yeah? So Mark's done his thing. Chinese Whispers now is not a game of listen and then tell. It's now a game of here's the text. Yeah? This is what... Jesus was. Now, I'll take us back a little bit. If you're a Jewish person, you would have heard the prophecies from way back. It's one of those things your parents would say to you. I know things are a bit weird at the minute. We are in Jerusalem, but we have Roman soldiers everywhere. There was a time when we even weren't in Jerusalem and didn't have a temple. We were in Babylon as captives. But God's promise from all our kings all the way back to our great father Abraham was that there will be someone who will come who will be our king. And the, 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 the government of, of peace, I think, will be on his shoulders. He will be called mighty counselor, Isaiah says, prince of peace. There is coming a time when someone whom God has sent will be with us and will change the status quo so that we will no longer live in fear of the Romans who surround us or the Egyptians to our left and right or, God forbid, the Philistines. There is someone who is coming. And do you know what? The daffodils for this person will be there will be someone calling from the wilderness, saying to everybody, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. So when Mark sets out to tell the story of Jesus, what does he do? He starts with the daffodils. Someone give me the page number. I closed the Bible by mistake. 1,002. There we are. Huh. What does he do? Mark 1. John the Baptist prepares the way. In the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the chosen one, the one who is the one that God has promised, the one who is the one that God is sending. The good news of this person coming starts with the daffodils. Yeah? 
I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Not any Lord, the Lord. Not sugar, the Lord. And this term, the Lord, for a Jewish person would clearly sort of point them to the name they, they, they never really say aloud. All you Harry Potter fans will know about Voldemort, you never say it aloud. You're the one who must not be named, yeah? The Jewish equivalent was Yahweh. Such a holy name, you dare not say it. And not holy in terms of sort of sunlight shining out of it or anything like that. It's just the name of the person who made heavens and earth. It's also just the name of the person who sent 10 plagues on Egypt to free the people from the wilderness. It's just the name of the person who fed them in the desert with bread. Every morning they'd wake up and go outside and there'd be bread on the floor. You have never seen that happen in your life and I, I dare say you probably will never see it happen. A whole nation in a desert had water and food for 40 years. So when they get to anywhere where the name of that God is written down, everybody goes, um, I, I, I really ought not to say this name, actually. So let us refer to him as the Lord. So John the Daffodils is saying to everybody, yeah, prepare the way for the Lord. Isaiah has said, Emmanuel, God will be with us. So here Mark is telling us the daffodils that we'll see by John the Baptist are to tell us that spring is coming and the spring is that God's kingdom will be upon us. So when Jesus has been baptized and the, the pigeon comes down from the sky after the clouds have parted, um, he goes into the wilderness, he's tested and when he returns, what's the first thing he says? He announces the good news and he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Daffodils. Yeah, they're a sure sign. Absolutely. Daffodils. Our reading today um, is from that space now where winter is still about and spring is on its way in. And on some days, it's really cold. And on some days, it's mild. And you're surprised that your scarf's still on you. The king is here. But the things of the kingdom that he's abolishing, that he's moving off, that he's defeating, that he's destroying, are still rearing their heads. Yeah? The things of winter are still about. But the king is here. So when he goes into the temple and he preaching and he's telling people about the good news, the king is here. Um, someone comes in who is oppressed by an evil spirit. He's oppressed by an evil spirit. I'll stop there just for a little sort of side note. Let me stand here so when I return, I'll return there and we can continue with the sermon. Um, when I was 10 years old, um, I went to a church service and I say this not to scare you but to give you peace and hope. Yeah. And in this church service, the preacher had preached and he preached and he preached the name of Jesus and he preached the story pretty much like I'm doing now. There's nothing special about this church service. And um, towards the end, this man who we knew in the local area, he was known to us, 
um, he began to do really strange things. He began to bark, he began to chirp, cluck, you know, wreathe on the floor and all that kind of stuff. It's just so weird. The preacher recognized what was going on. One kingdom over here, the king is over here. And what did he do? He started to pray straight away. Yeah? Me, I see signs like that as a 10-year-old. My instinct is very clear. Leave. Leave. Yeah? So what did I do? I turned for the door. Yeah? And as I was marching towards the door, kind of troopsing off, like, ah, that's extra stuff. I'm not going to get involved. He turns and says, Dennis, come back. When you encounter things like this, don't run, pray. So I need you to stay and pray. Um, I didn't realize I knew the Lord's Prayer until that day, because I was all I could pray. So I stood there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. <laughs> At the end of prayer, it wasn't my prayer. The priest, the vicar who was there, just you know said, "In Jesus' name, be free." I was here. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Terrified completely. Soon as he said, "In Jesus' name, be free," the man breathed out. And two minutes later, stood up, went and sat down. And he was just a different guy. Same guy we knew before, but the quality of the smile was different. Now, that you can dispute that. I saw it in my own eyes. One day you will see something similar. But I say that story to tell you that when Mark writes about someone dealing with an evil spirit, it's not something to just dismiss because the reality is, the world has been filled with so much that is rotten, that is terrible about it, that when the king comes and starts to move, there is resistance to what he's doing. Yeah? In the same way, it takes cars a long time to warm up, even when daffodils are up. In the same way, other Flowers don't bloom until much later, and yet spring is coming. In the same way, these things come to the surface. As lovingly as I can say this, if you, if you feel unforgiveness in you, if you feel pain in you for certain things, if you've been touched by grief, these are the signs of the kingdom that the king is coming to abolish. If you feel a lack of confidence, I know people apply for jobs. Some people don't even bother applying for jobs because they don't feel like they can do it. If you feel that sense of fear, that level of fear, that, that, that's a sign of the kingdom that the king is coming to abolish. Because what does he say? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Why? Because he is the king. And in his kingdom, as a child of God, there is nothing beyond you to achieve. Now, I return back in. So, guys, the, the evil spirit starts to speak. 
And the first thing Jesus says, once the Spirit says, I know who you are, I'm going to tell everybody who you are, Jesus says, shut up, in a kind Jesus kind of way. Be quiet. Why? Because if I came to you and I said to you, David, who's at the back, David, could you give us a wave, yeah? If I said to you, David over there is God on earth, would you believe me? No, you wouldn't, would you? This is, this is how God is. The way in which he wanted us to know who he was, was by demonstrating. Not just by people coming and saying and saying and saying. Uh, Paul says, the kingdom of God is not one of talk, but one of power. So he's going to demonstrate rather than allow things to be said. But his demonstration isn't just about this power. It's about power wrapped in love, wrapped in humility, wrapped in service. He was going to be a king who washed feet. And he was going to be a lord who died on the cross. So what this demon was going to say wasn't really going to help the people who were there. So be quiet. Okay, now that you're quiet, get out. This is in your party. You know? Get out. The person you're oppressing is my father's child, and I want them to be free. I want them to be free. I want them to be free. And so he does that, and the person is free. And everybody looks and goes, oh, wow. Um, what's going on here? This is insane. Who is this man? Who is this man? Which is the question Mark tries to answer in the story. He is the king. And then when they recognize that he's able to do these things, what do they do? Oh, my sister's ill. Oh, my uncle's suffering with this thing. Oh, granddad's got a problem with his cataracts. Oh, so-and-so broke their ankle playing whatever it is they played back then. Let's bring them. So they all rush off. And they bring them all. And what does Jesus do for the evening? His night plans. He's going to someone's house. They're probably having dinner. There's a whole queue outside. He sits. And says, be free. Be healed. Be free. Be healed. Be free. Be healed. Everybody. Why? Because the daffodils have come. The king is here. Winter is going. We are in a spiritual battle, but on the winning side. Why? Because the king has come. He came 2,000 and something years ago, there and thereabouts. Uh, 2,000 and something years ago, he defeated the one thing we fear the most. What's the one thing we fear the most? Death. If you ask me why people are greedy, they're greedy because they want to have everything they can have before they. If you ask me why people are selfish, why they fail to forgive, because they feel that it will kill them to let go. What does Jesus do? Oh, you guys think death has power. All right, try your best. <laughs> try your best. He waited till the people who are the greatest at it. The Romans were incredible, incredibly gifted at killing. They were really good at it. They were so good. They were good at torture. They were good at killing. And they applied both to Jesus. If you look at the, the, the whips they used 
to whip him with, with the hooks that they would hook onto your skin to pull off. And all that. they were really good, the Romans. The cross is an incredible torture and killing device. So when you see it, yes, it's, it's nice up there, but actually it's, it's not, a, it, it's gruesome. It's gruesome. They were really good at it. So what did Jesus say? You guys think you've got power because you can take lives. Okay, here, take mine. He opened wide his arms for us upon the cross and made for all a perfect sacrifice for sins. The one enemy you've got in this battle, the one enemy you've got in this battle is death. What am I going to do? I'm going to let him do his best. And then three days later, ahoy, uh, uh, someone sent me a picture of Jesus receiving jelly babies and they fell through the, the holes in the... Because <laughs> he... He had holes in his hands. Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> he defeated death. Defeated death. In a battle, but on the winning side. The king has come. And he's not only demonstrated power over the things that oppress us, but over the thing that can take our lives. A spiritual battle on the winning side. So, I'm going to ask you now. Um, what is it that you need to be free from? Because we're not dealing with daffodils anymore. We're dealing with the king. We're not dealing with signs anymore. We're dealing with the king. The one who has power over death. Who has power over life. And it's not Dennis's power. It's not that pastor's power. It's not Richard Moy's power. It is the power of the king. And there's evidence that he was here. And if you're on Facebook, you'd have seen Richard in front of the synagogue where Jesus preached. So it's not that this is some sort of made-up thing. You know, he lived, he walked. There's more evidence for him than there is for Julius Caesar. What do you need to be free from? And I'd love the rest of our service to be dedicated to that. We will we'll spend some time just now, after I finish speaking, before one of you falls off a wall, bringing those things before God in silence, I'm going to invite Emma and the band to come, and they'll lead us in one song. It's a chance for those of us who need silence to pray in silence, those of us who need song to pray in song. And then we will come to communion. And here, this is the chance for you to go again, Lord, here is where I need you the most. When you come to receive the bread and the wine, just ask God to go to the place where you need him the most. After communion, uh, we'll, we'll pray and we'll carry on in worship and singing and praying. And if you need prayer then, come and find me. I'm going to station myself over there. I will happily, happily pray for you. We've got prayer team. Prudence, could you, could you stand and just wave the, the prayer team um, thing? If you're on prayer team here, now's the time for you to come and stand and stand for the, the king and pray for your brothers and sisters. Yeah? Look for someone with a lanyard. Don't let the queue form because it's not Dennis who does the work. It's the Lord God in heaven. Find someone with a lanyard and in faith seek his help. Is that an okay deal? Yeah? Yeah? Let's start by standing, if you don't mind. And all that I'm doing is getting us out of the circumstance that we were in while I was speaking. And in standing, 
um, I want to invite you to, to um, in your own space, in your own way, talk to God directly, whatever that takes. Um, some find it helpful to close their eyes. Some find it helpful to put their hands in front of them. Some find it helpful to look up into the ceiling, maybe focus on a light, one of the lights. Some find it helpful to, you know, shake first and then stop, you know. Um, some find it helpful just to listen. The God who made you made you to be loved by him. You, no one else. So he will come to you how you are, where you are. I'm going to pray, which will take us into the silence, after which we'll worship and share communion. King of kings, Lord of lords, the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle, the Lord who is our victory. Father, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you come and reveal to each one of us the areas of our lives where we need your touch and your hand for freedom. We need your courage to speak to those voices that try to keep us down. One to say, be quiet, and two to say, leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you rest among us now and minister to us in your power? Amen.